Yeah, it's light right now. Hey, Roger. And Diane. So you guys are watching right now. Angela, Linda, God bless you guys for taking the time. All right, well, we're going to start. Uh, the first, you know, the question that I had tonight, and it was asked about, hey, Patty Tavares, that um, is our president... Um, still in charge of the situation right now you know there's there's so many things that are happening right now in regards to this um um corona uh, quarantine business that we're going through um it's it's uh pretty you know disgusting to see or disturbing to see how they're blowing this thing way out of proportion you know we just heard a word from our governor that he wants to extend it another month and I'm thinking that the numbers that they're showing in regards to deaths and um, the hospitals being overrun and all the things that they were saying were had the potential to happen don't justify that. Not only that, we still we we do have a um, viable uh, method of treating this with the hydrochloroquine, uh, ZPAC, and the uh, zinc. You know, they said it's about ninety something percent effective. And it's just really mad. It makes me, you know, upset that they've uh, tried to paint our president as, you know, incompetent and even proposing that. And yet they said he's not a doctor, but yet he's consulting with doctors who have uh, came up with that method of treatment and found that it's very effective. And yet they just ridicule him. And so the end game of this is to keep us in this perpetual state of fear and to keep pressing this issue like this this virus is uh looming out there to destroy you know everybody on the planet and um in the meantime our economy is uh suffering and our freedoms are being eroded rapidly and you know we have people like bill gates who's been known to be a, a known eugenicist which is uh somebody who is into population control uh through his vaccinations as well as other methods and, you know, bringing in this uh, New World Order global agenda, wanting to vaccinate everybody and, uh, tr you know, put a, a mark on them to let them know whether they have the vaccination or not. So we have all these these things that are, are impending right now. I believe that, you know, one of the things that was said and I, I, I you know, and I showed a video of it, of it, of Newt Gingrich, who was talking about President Trump and how come they... Um, they feared him so much or disliked him so much. And one of the things that Newt Gingrich says, because he was never initiated, he was never one of the the inner members of the people that are running Washington and, you know, the, the you know, different power positions. He was never initiated. Therefore, he was not compromised. He had his own money. Therefore, he, you know, what, couldn't be bought off. And so he was a real threat to the system. Um, I... 
would like to believe, and I do believe that he's still in that position, you know, that he still holds to those things. And I believe that our president is our true patriot. He loves America. He's definitely not a globalist. He uh, would like to see America return to a position of preeminence and to be a world leader uh, in, in, you know, the way things are going, how so many uh, other countries have capitulated to this global government and just got uh, uh, their sovereignty taken away. You know, we, we see that he's inspired the British and uh, Boris Johnson in uh, Britain, who they voted to exit uh, the European Union. And so there is a, a segment of the population who don't want to be brought into a global government. And I believe that our president is still uh, promoting that. You know, I, I had a couple clips and, and I was like, ah, I don't really want to uh, show them in here. It's it's hard to communicate that information uh, through uh, this this media, you know, transferring video uh, through um, this this link. It's it's I don't know how clear it, it comes out, but I saw uh, a video of uh, our president doing his, his uh, briefing on the coronavirus thing and Fauci was talking up there and uh, Dr. Fauci, we all know that he's linked up with Bill Gates and he's hooked up to this New World Order agenda. He signaled about three years ago that our president was going to be facing this pandemic. And how did he know that unless it was planned? You know, a lot of people aren't calling this a pandemic. They're calling it a plandemic because it was planned and it's being executed and foisted on the public right now. And so our president's standing there and then Dr. Fauci is saying, well, I don't think we're ever going to get back to normal again. And um, and you could see President Trump's face, and he just looked disgusted at him. And, I'm, and we need to pray that this Dr. Fauci be removed because he's not the person for the job. He's a he's a globalist. He's he's in on this new world order thing. He's in on the vaccinations with Bill Gates. So we need to really really pray that this guy gets removed. That uh, there's other people that um, oh I forget his name, but he's uh, he's been putting out videos. Uh, What's his name? Uh, he's he's putting out videos in protest of what's going on right now, and he's you know, you know probably would never get the position because he's being censored off of YouTube and all. What was his name? Uh, Rashid, Doctor Rashid Buttar. And we can we can link up all the stuff you want them to see later. Yeah, I can put up a couple. I didn't get a whole lot. There was a there was another person that that I did um, you know hear her quoting and her. Uh, her name is Celeste Bishop uh, Salarum, and she used to work for FEMA, and she saw the things that they were doing in FEMA, and it's disgusted her so much that she pulled out, but she still has contacts in there. And she claims that there was one one of his briefings he was doing, his, his uh, uh, coronavirus update briefing, and he said that there was some code words that were spoken during that briefing that basically he was uh, handing over the reins and he was no longer in charge. And I just, I, I have a hard time believing that. I don't want to believe that. Um, we need to really, really pray for our president. He's he's uh, very much standing in the way of, uh, you know, I heard, him, I heard him make mention in one of the clips that I had. He says, if it wasn't for me, we wouldn't have a country right now. He's really uh, been a doorstop uh, to the New World Order of just really bringing in a flood of things that would just really uh, strangle this country. And and we're seeing that already. We're seeing it, and especially in in the blue states, you know, the, the democratically controlled uh, states, how they've really, really cracked down and are trying to impose 
a lot of things that are very unconstitutional and you wonder, you know, are we under martial law right now because they truly are violating our constitutional rights, the ability for the church to gather together. That's, you know, the First Amendment. And they've, um, you know, really went after that. Um, you know, so we're, we're in, we're in uh, very interesting times right now. And that's why we really need to pray. We need to keep our eyes focused on the Lord. And um, so those are, you know, some of the things that I wanted to say about that. I, I still believe our president is uh, in charge of the situation. I think that there's um, uh, people that have not respected his, uh, his uh, office of president. And, you know, that was the, the push from the Democrats from day one. And they, they questioned his, uh, his election. And their, their mantra was resist, resist, resist. And that's all we've seen the whole time he's been in office. I, I, I just can't imagine how much more could have been done uh, with this country if we didn't have a party that was just absolutely resisting. I mean, it's not only the Democrats, it's the deep state. It's the, the New World Order agenda that uh, sees him as such a threat. And um, we as the, the believing church, our job right now is to pray and to be vocal when we can and uh, try to uh, try to inform people, you know, these are the things that are going on. So, you know, I didn't have, like I said, I didn't, I wasn't able to find a lot of hard evidence on, you know, that, uh, you know, the fact that if our, if our president was uh, somewhere deposed or, you know, had been, um, you know, superseded by some other higher powers at this point. We know that he's facing a lot of pressures, but, we have to still believe and pray that he's calling the shots right now and, and uh, that his desire is to get our country back, uh, back to business. I don't know, you know, what our country is going to look like after this. It was just like after 9-11, there was some things that changed that are, you know, irreparable. You know, we when we go to the airport, you know, we, we have to take off our shoes and we got to do this and we got to, you know, those things never changed since 9-11. And, and that's a whole nother can of worms that I'm not going to get into tonight. Well, the thing that I do want to, the second thing that I do want to talk about tonight, and this is uh, more scriptural, you know, that was just kind of keeping up with, with current events and news that are happening. And um, the thing that I do want to talk about is, um, the, the event that is looming on our horizon and the next prophetic event on the clock, and it has been from the time of the apostles, is the rapture of the church. The reason why I say that, um, I believe that the Bible teaches that the rapture or the catching away of the saints is, uh, it, it's, there's a doctrine involved with that that's called the doctrine of eminence. That means that there's nothing that stands in its way from it absolutely uh, um, taking place. There's things that, you know, there's prophecies that would get more clear as we see the things that will take place after the rapture of the church that we see in the book of Revelations that we're going through, not Revelation, but uh, Revelations, but Revelation. As we see the book of Revelation, there's things that are going to take place in a chronological order after the rapture of the church and we're seeing those things being more um coming into more focus right now we're seeing a, a world economy that could be controlled that if they didn't want you participating in that unless you took a mark on your forehead or on your right hand that you would be uh, excluded from that economy we see the reality of that we see that with this vaccination 
program that they're wanting and they're wanting to track you um, by implanting stuff in you that can be watched from you know satellites and whatever who knows what you know they can really track your motions they can track your buying and selling and the Bible says that if if you in in Revelation 13 it says if you take this mark of the beast and worship his image that you're damned for eternity and there is no salvation there's no turning back from that and so we're seeing that whole program being set up we're seeing a world religion coming into focus we're seeing you know a one world government you know wanting to come in you know a lot of people are with this uh, virus that we're dealing with right now they go this is why we need world government we need a unified um, uh, address to this problem we need a unified front on how to address it and so we're, we're hearing cries from that we're seeing it coming from the Pope you know that you know that we need to uh, all work together as a world community and on the surface those things sound like good things but we know the the sinister plan behind that and the Bible is very clear about that so what is our you know what is our um, uh, posture in all this and basically Jesus is our fortress he's our high tower he's our salvation he's our hope you know the 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 rapture of the church is called the blessed hope in the book of jude it's it's the thing that you know if you're a christian that that's what we we pin our hopes on we, we're like lord we want to be a part of that great event that's coming the blessed hope of the church which is to be um you know to be caught up together with the lord uh and and uh, or I'm sorry, it's in uh, Titus that it talks about the blessed hope of the church, and that would be you know to be amongst the that number that is caught up into the heavens to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And um, you know it says uh, it says in in second in Titus uh, chapter two. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So it gives us some of the, um, you know, some of the guidelines of of what our posture is to be in this hour right now, and. You know, just briefly, you know, you can really expand on this, but it says denying ungodliness. So, you know, there's there's a, a push in the world right now that, you know, the things that are popular, the things that are trending, the things there's there's a spirit of the world and it's it's totally opposed to the things of God. And when you become a Christian, you know, before you were a Christian, you were going with the flow of society and you might not even recognize some of these things, but the moment you got born again and the Spirit of God came into your heart, You, your, there was like scales that fell off your eyes and you saw things for what they truly are. Now, this uh, spirit of holiness or righteousness that came into our lives that we decided to, instead of going uh, downstream with all the other dead fish, we started going upstream because we're, we're um, wanting to be pleasing to God. And this is... Um, you know, some of the things that, that have to fall away off of our former conduct. It says, teaching us design un, de, uh, denying ungodliness, worldly lusts, that we should live soberly. You know, so not being a drunken or using drugs. You know, in the book of Revelation, it talks about those who are outside. You know, he calls them the, you know, they were, they were um, using pharmakia. Uh, it says, it, and to live uh, godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I believe that teaching on 
the the rapture of the church is a purifying doctrine what it is it's if it's if it's an eminent event that it could happen today it could happen before i'm done with this with this message so that means that this is something that we should be it should be constantly on our, on our mind it, it'd be like lord i don't want to get involved with that because you could come back today you could come back for your church today and i don't want to be with my hands all messed up in the world I want to be about the things that are pleasing to you. I want to be doing your will in this hour right now. And it's a crucial hour we're living. We see, you know, that the hour is late. You know, in the, in the book of Romans, it talks about how, you know, it's the, the night is far spent. Uh, the day is at hand. Uh, it says this in Romans 13, 11. It says, and doing this, uh, knowing the time now is, it is high time to awake out of sleep for our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly in the day, not in revelry or in drunkenness, not in lewdness and in lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So these are all, you know, he's putting that as even an armor. It's an armor of light. It's our fight that we're fighting against the forces of darkness and by armoring with these things, the word of God, prayer, and the fellowship, and, and keeping our eyes focused upon the things that are pleasing to the Lord, these are the things that keep us ready and in that posture. You know, I, I just watched, uh, um, you can look it up on the on YouTube. Uh, I can even give the links to that, but I watched a two-part series uh, with uh, Perry Stone and he says, who are the people that will miss the rapture? And it's really sobering to watch that, you know, because there's people, I, in studying this topic, there's people that say every single person who's ever confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is going to make it in the rapture. And I would like to believe that, but I don't know if I can believe that. I don't believe. I believe that you're saved because we're saved in Ephesians. We, we're not saved by works. It says in Ephesians uh, 2, 2, 8, it says, For grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But I also believe that the rapture of the church is actually a reward for faithfulness. And it's, it's a reward for those who have been faithful to the Lord, who have kept their eyes on the Lord, and they're looking for Him, and they're longing for His return. Now, um, I, Perry Stone put it in, in terms, I go, wow, that's really good. He goes, do you think if people um, don't believe in healing, that can they get healed? And you're thinking, well, I don't know, possibly sometimes. But then there's that scripture where Jesus said he went into his hometown. I think it's in Luke or it's in Matthew. I didn't write it down. But you remember when Jesus went to his hometown, went to Nazareth, and they, they, they disdained him because they go, they were so familiar with him. He says, well, isn't this Joseph's son? You know, the, and then Mary's his mother. We know his brother's over here. And he says he couldn't do many mighty works over there, but he healed a few sick and he marveled because of their unbelief. And so he had the ability to heal and do mighty, mighty works. But because of the unbelief that was there, he, it restrained him. So if people don't believe in the rapture or they don't think that it's going to happen or they're not looking for it, are they going to be taken up in the rapture? And that's a really good question. And these are questions that, that we can, you know, just really seek in our own time and really dig in and say, wow, um, you know, how does this work? You know what? And, and the, the thing is, it says when we begin to see these things, when we begin to see 
the trouble on the earth and men's hearts failing them for fear, great earthquakes, pestilence, you know, famines, all these things. It says, when these things begin to happen, it says, look up, lift up your eyes because your redemption draweth nigh. And then it says, pray that we be counted worthy to escape all these things that are coming upon the earth. So our heart and our posture should be, Lord, I, I'm not, I'm not uh, enamored with this world. I don't love this world. It says, don't love the world and the things of the world. It's like, you know what, Perry, Perry Stone got into that a little bit. He goes, no, it's not. You know, we go outside and we see a sunset or we see flowers or we see beauty in there. Those things are fine. But it's just to be so caught up in the things of the world that we act as if this is all there is and this is my all in all. It's it, Our heart's affection should not be placed upon this world, but our touch on this world should be more light. We should be thinking, wow, could be this could be the day where the Lord blows that trumpet and we're caught up into the heavens and we meet him face to face. So the, the, other, the reality of it is, are we living a life that um, reflects that reality? And the other thing is, are we doing the works of the Lord? I, when we get into the book of Revelation, and we did the first chapter, uh, um, you know, on, on Wednesday, uh, last week Wednesday, I think it's going to become more clear, you know, this, this what I'm trying to spe uh, talk on tonight, where he, he says he makes all these promises, and he makes the promises to the overcomers in the first, uh, uh, or chapter two and three, to each one of the seven churches, we're gonna see a pattern there. And he says, he who overcomes, he who overcomes, and he's gonna say what their challenge was and how they overcame. Each one of us is facing a challenge, you know, in this earth. We're, we're facing a challenge of, you know, when we came to faith in Christ, will we be obedient to him or will we be willful? Will we do our own thing? Are we gonna to submit to the Lord? when nobody's watching, when it's, you know, when it's like, well, nobody's going to know if I do this, or are we a, a cognizant of the Lord's presence 24-7 all the time, and we're like, no, I'm going to do this because I love Jesus, and this is how I prove that I love him, by my faithfulness. We know that he's faithful already, but what do we do? And when it's hard, when it's like, man, I, I deserve to do this because it's been hard. No, we don't do that because we look at what Jesus left us as, as an example. And it says, man, he went all the way. He didn't, he didn't cop out. He didn't, he didn't flake out when it got hard, but he went all the way. It says this in uh, Hebrews 12. It says, Hebrews 12, 4, it says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us say, Every weight and the sin, the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. He's the author, as well as the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So it's like we're running this race. We're on the last lap. The Lord could blow that trumpet at any time. And so we're, we run with endurance, but it also says that we, we jettison or we get rid, lay aside that, that every weight and the sin. He doesn't say uh, many sins, but a lot of times it's that one sin, that one that we're like, well, I don't know if I can identify with myself if I, if I get rid of this. We ask the Lord, Lord, take that sin away from me. I want to walk with you. I want to be closer to you. I want to be ready at the moment when you call that I'm ready to go. And so that's, you know, some of the things, um, you know, in Matthew, Matthew 24, you know, there's, you know, talking about people who would resist this or, or not believe in this, you know, it talks about, um, let me read this parable. Uh, 
Yeah, this is the the faithful servant and the evil servant. You know, it's a parable. So Matthew 24, um, starting at verse 45, and it says, Then, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household and gave him the food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom when his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods, but if the evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come in a day when he is not looking for him and an hour that he is not aware of and he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, uh, uh, Perry Stoney expounded on that a little bit and I heard other people say the same thing. They go, you know, when you hear weeping and, and gnashing of teeth, we automatically think about the outer darkness or we think about hell. But it also could be this, that this person was, you know, he was he was uh, not cognizant or wasn't putting his attention on those things that were happening. Jesus said that, you know, that we should be aware of the hour of which we're living. So this person was not aware of the hour of which he's eating and drinking and getting drunk and just doing his own thing. And then the Lord came and and he was a hypocrite. He wasn't really living the faith and wasn't and, and so now the rapture of the church has taken place and this person did not go in the rapture. And then it says now there's weeping and gnashing of teeth because they realize, oh no, I know it's coming. I know it's I know it's on the way now. And uh that's a fearful thing if that's how you interpret that scripture. And I think you can make a case for that, you know. Um the other thing is there's a lot of people that I notice in this day and uh, age who don't believe in the uh, eminence of the pre-tribulation rapture. They believe, oh, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to see this happen first. We're going to see the Antichrist come into play, and then we're going to go into this. But I think that if we start um, seeing any of, the one, any of the seals that are in the book of Revelation start to break, which we're, we'll get into that, you know, in, in the study of the uh, book of Revelation, you, you exclude the eminency of the rapture so you 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 violate that doctrine because uh, once the antichrist comes on the scene the first thing he does he makes a covenant with the nation of israel and you can start a clock at that point once that covenant is signed then we know that there's a seven year period according to the book of daniel that there's going to be a three and a half year period a rebuilding of the temple in jerusalem the Antichrist is going to go in in the mid portion of that time period and he's going to violate it and, and say that he's God and cause everybody. So you can you can start really chronicling the events that are going to take place at that point. And therefore, you, you really don't have the the eminence of the, the um, rapture of the church. It, it violates that principle. So I believe that before the Antichrist can come on the scene, and, and I'll, I'll show you that in from the book of Thessalonians when we get into the book of Revelation. Before the Antichrist can come on the scene and make this covenant with Israel, I believe the church, as the restraining force, has to be taken out of the world because the church is restraining this evil that would like to flood in right now. Um, we need to um, stand firm. We need to pray. We need to have, hold to our convictions. And we need to stay pure, you know, because this is a glorious thing that the, that the Lord has promised to those who love him. In fact, in, um, I wrote, just wrote this down in, uh, I think it's 2 Timothy, yeah, 2 Timothy 4.8. I'll show you, you know, Christianity, you know, we're all saved by God's grace, but we're all not going to receive the same rewards. 
You know, there, there's, there's rewards that are given for faithfulness in his kingdom. There's a reward, uh, you know, for loving the Lord's appearing. There's a, there's a martyr's crown. There's all different types. There's a, there's a, uh, you know, a crown of, of a pastor. There's all different types. I think there's five or seven different crowns that the Bible talks about. And, you know, one of these ones that uh, is talked about in, um, it's in 2 Timothy 4, 8. It says, in 2 Timothy 4, 8, it says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but all those who have loved his appearing. So if we love his appearing, we're like, as we're seeing the world get darker and darker, you know, the, the cry for the early, um, Lord, come. You know, it was, it was a, a, a term, it was Maranatha, which means, Lord, come quickly, save us. You know, it's in, I believe, the first, first Corinthians. It's written in there in, in the salutation at the very end of that. It says, um, in uh, 1 Corinthians 16, it says, The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you in the heart, heartily in the Lord, the church that is in their house. The brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss, the kiss, salutation, my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed or anathema. O come, Lord Jesus, which is Maranatha. It means come quickly, Lord Jesus. Back in the 70s, that, you know, there was a, a great move of God. It was called the Jesus Movement. And there was a lot of people that were expecting Christ to come back at that time because Jerusalem had just been liberated uh, and the, the city of Jerusalem in the 1967 war, they liberated it. So people were like, wow, Jesus is coming back soon because in Romans it talks about Jerusalem being trodden of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And so there was a great anticipation during that time. And there was a great move of God. A lot of people came into the kingdom at that time. And there was a saying that would go out all the time and that was Maranatha, which means Lord, uh, our Lord come, you know, come save us already. And here we are, you know, that's in the 60s, uh, late 60s, and here we are in uh, 2020 right now, and we're still waiting. You know, nobody knows the day or the hour, but I know this for sure, we're that much closer to the Lord coming back than we were back then. And uh, it is still eminent. It's still the thing that is looming on the horizon. And, uh, you know, we have a, a that's our blessed hope, as, as uh, dark as this world gets with, you know, political corruption and you know, we're locked in our houses at this point. I believe we're going to be liberated here soon. We need to pray for that. Um, but our hope can be upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that that we're waiting upon it. And he's certain because God is not a man that he should lie. If he said it to be true, you know, in, in, in closing. I mean, there's so much scriptures on this. There, You know, uh, if you really want to get into it, read the the First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, First Corinthians 15. Um, those are those are some really good uh, part, parts of scripture where you can get into there. The first mention of it is in John fourteen three, where Jesus says, "I'm going away, but I'm going away, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I come back, I'm going to receive you to myself. That where I am, you're going to be with me also. And that's going to be a glorious place. It's going to be in the in the you know in the heavenly realm, and we're going to come back with him in uh, uh, Revelation nineteen. Uh, coming back triumphantly for the Lord to take dominion over the earth. 
And so these are the things that are coming. So our posture needs to be uh, prayerful, watchful, and sanctified, and abstaining from sin. And so, you know, that's what I have to say uh, for this evening. That's about half an hour. And um, yeah, we look forward to Wednesday's uh, teaching on the book of Revelation. We're going to get into the uh, seven churches and this is going to be, it's going to take on more, um, more dimension and it's going to get more solidified and more clear. All right. Thank you guys for watching and we'll see you on Wednesday.